Hey guys, welcome to the Fit Dad Lifestyle Podcast. The Fit Dad Lifestyle is a community and supplement brand where fathers support other fathers throughout the journey of fatherhood. We believe that maintaining a healthy lifestyle isn't about crash diets and the latest workout craze. Instead, we offer dads the education, resources, and support they need to maintain a balanced lifestyle long term. There aren't a lot of dedicated community groups for dads, and we know that men are generally less likely to talk about the challenges they face in life. So we wanted to go above and beyond the meal plans and quick fixes and offer a way for fathers to communicate in a helpful, negative-free environment. Whether it's supporting your partner when a new baby arrives, balancing work and the kids, or just fitting in time to get your health and fitness back on track. This podcast aims to inspire, motivate, and encourage you to be the best father that you can be and the leader that your kids want to see you be every day. It's brought to you by Fit Dad Fuel. Fit Dad Fuel is our supplement range. Our supplement range helps support this podcast, the workouts, the online education, and the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to help keep everything as cost-free as possible for dads worldwide. Enjoy the episode. Here it is, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Fit Dad Lifestyle Podcast, episode 126. So today, we've got family law expert Ryan Bowley from Dallas, Texas. Now, Ryan works at Gaunson, Bain, and Osley. So, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Mate, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and um, how many kids you've got? Yeah, so I'm a family law attorney practicing Dallas area. I'm 35 years old and I've been married five years and I've got two twin kiddos. I've got a son named Blake and a daughter named Kate and they turned three in July. Yeah, perfect. And mate, what um, made you get into the family law uh, field of um, you know the lawyer side of things? So, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I just didn't know kind of what kind I wanted to be. I just, you know, you grow up here and, hey, you're good at arguing, then you should be a lawyer. And that's part of it, but it's not necessarily the truth. So if, if your parents tell you that, don't necessarily go to law school. Um, but for me, it was always just the right fit. Now, as far as family law in and of itself, I fell into it entirely by accident. So the, when I got out of law school, job market was really, really bad, 2011. Um, and I was just taking whatever I could do to get my foot in the door. So I've practiced almost every area of law, trying different things, trying to slowly move up in the food chain. And I just happened to make friends with a guy who was practicing family law, 30 year attorney. Um, and he saw that I was doing some criminal defense work and I was just burning the candle at both ends. I was driving probably 400 or 500 miles a day, going to courthouses all over the Metroplex, bailing people out of jail. And it was just sucking my soul. And family law uh, sounded good. I knew I did well on it in law school, but I just kind of got into it and found my passion in it. Um, it sounds hokey to say, but you're always, unless it's an adoption, which are everybody loves those, yeah. people, no one's ever happy to see me, right? Um, but I did find if you work at it the right way, you can't always make divorce easy, but you can make it sting a lot less. And the more I've practiced, the more I've learned. And I've just, there's a lot of really good family law attorneys out there. And it does kind of combine, you have to know a little bit of everything to be a good practitioner. So you have to know a little bit of criminal stuff, you need to know a little bit of tax, you need to know a little bit of estate things. And it all just really comes together. It's a litigation based practice, which is the way I like it. But at the same time, there's plenty of opportunities to reach agreements that work for everybody when it's appropriate. Yeah, it's it's one of the things 
that I see quite a bit, you know, our community on Facebook is, you know, growing, I think it's about 4,000 people now. And, you know, some of the biggest pain points are these divorces and these problems with the ex. And, you know, I'm sure it goes both ways. Obviously, we only hear the father's, you know, side of things within the group. But, you know, is there any, you know, sort of main takeaways, main sort of advice that you have for fathers who are potentially about to go into the whole legal system of, you know, finalizing a divorce or who are struggling, you know, with the whole system as it is right now? So a couple things. One is be very careful about what you put in writing and very careful about what you post on social media. Anything that's out there can be used in exhibits. I use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all sorts of stuff uh, that people use uh, on both sides in an exhibit. So for example, if you're in court and you're trying to say your your ex is absolutely terrible, but you posted on Facebook a month before you broke up that she's the mother of the year, you know, that could work against you. But if you're if you're checking into a bunch of places you probably shouldn't be going to, and when you're leading up to litigation, that's not going to reflect poor, good on you either. Um, you know, every text you write, and I know it's kind of nerve wracking to think about, you need to think of, okay, one, what is the judge going to see when he or she sees this? And what is my lawyer going to say when he or she sees this? Um, the other thing I would say is don't let divorce be your wake up call. I've had many dads realize when it's too late that they should have been more involved with their kids' lives earlier. So maybe lots of times some judges have the philosophy that, okay, I'm going to maintain what the status quo is. And if a dad's not been around, maybe he just took things for granted. Maybe there's a really good reason for him not to be around. But I've had many people say, man, it's like, I, I wish I would have been there for my children earlier because then I would have gotten a much different result in the divorce case. Yeah. And obviously over in, uh, here in Australia, and once again, you know, to any females listening, this is very biased because I only hear, you know, the male side of the stories mm -hmm. and, you know, that predominantly, you know, more often than not, but it seems like the system is very geared towards the female, you know, it, it's in the, the father's, you know, the father basically has to prove, you know, in every other which way possible of why he should have any rights and what those rights will be. And, you know, it just think, seems very geared towards the female, regardless of what the situation is. Um, obviously taking into account, you know, if there's any, you know, um, emergency situations with drugs or, you know, stuff like that, then obviously it's a, a different situation, but is that something that's very common and apparent over in the States as well? I would say so, but it's been changing, especially, and people would probably be surprised to think in Texas. I think Texas is a much more dad-friendly state than I would say New York or California is. Uh, for example, in Texas, you have to be married for 10 years to even get to be ordered to pay spousal support or what some really? states call alimony. That's a huge deal. I know in many other states, you the other parent gets it basically by breathing. Um, and I've noticed there's kind of a big discrepancy between rural and urban areas like s smaller towns are more likely to be to follow the more traditional model of okay kid stays with the wife you know that's the way it's always been that's the way it's always supposed to be but now you're seeing in the larger cities like in collin county where i practice you've got judge just as many female judges as you do male judges and you might think to yourself well 
the female judge will be sympathetic to the female stay at home. Not necessarily, because that judge has to get up every day and drop her kids off at school or daycare and go into the office or into the courthouse and work. So I think they expect more of their counterparts. So I think that's a good thing in a kind of backwards kind of way. And you're seeing more and more judges that do equal, well, some people, times we just refer to as 50-50 or equal custody schedules. You're seeing that much, much more now than five, 10 years ago. And you're getting a new younger generation of judges that is much more receptive to that concept where it was almost unheard of, you know, not that long ago. Plus, I think as you have judges that are younger, you have judges who have gone through this, they've seen that it works. And I think they're kind of realizing that there's no cookie cutter one size fits all for families. And finally, you're getting the influx of mental health professionals into at least in my area of the practice where they're able to weigh in and they can't make a recommendation always on a custody case, but they can say, all right, well, this is what I agree would be in the best interest of the children. It's in the best interest of the children that they see their dad more on these days or that they live primarily with dad for the following reasons. And judges give a lot of credence to those people. And that's something that I think is really moving in the right direction. There's lots of bills in local state legislatures in the U.S. that are asking for the presumption to be equal instead of whatever the current status is. So most of them call it a standard possession order or some variant of that, where you regularly hear of most parents, usually the dad, getting every other weekend extended time in the summer and then splitting up of holidays. Um hasn't passed in Texas. I don't know that it will, but you're seeing it pass in several other states. So the the movement is certainly growing. Yeah, fantastic. And mate, you mentioned the mental health experts and uh, that come in to you know obviously give their recommendations on specific cases. But is there a general sort of consensus or you know um, sort of flow that you can see that is across the board of you know a mother and father going through the divorce and what they recommend should be the solution going forward, like as a best case scenario? So as far as custody goes, I mean, it's really all over the place because it's totally fact driven. Like it depends on the ages of the kids, you know, it depends on how close the parents live to each other. Uh, You're much more likely to have a recommendation for an equal possession schedule if mom and dad live near each other, right? Just because it's easier for one parent to go pick them up from school, drop them off at the other one. Uh, I mean, one thing that we are noticing is how mental health struggles are just rampant in not just with our clients, but in, in our own profession. And I think we're trying to work very hard to remove the stigma associated with with mental health because it has just kind of been painted with a tar brush for quite some time. I recommend pretty much every client that I talk to for two things. One, whether you hire me or not, I suggest you talk to a mental health professional because you need somebody who you can decompress with who is trained to provide you the feedback you need. And two, even if your case is non-contested, highly suggest you put your kiddos into some sort of counseling with a therapist that is gonna fit their needs because they can't talk to you or maybe they won't want to, or they don't wanna badmouth one of their parents to the other. And again, this totally depends on the age of the kiddo, Um, but they just need something to decompress. And they don't always need therapy for years. Sometimes it's only for a couple months and they can peel it back, but, we're, we're finding out that the stress that it puts on the, frankly, the people, the people that are most important, the children is, is heavy and they shouldn't have to bear that burden. Yeah. hundred percent. 
And mate, over here in Australia, and I'm not sure if it's similar over there in the States, there's a there's an app that I've been shown, you know, by people I've been dealt with that the parents can talk to each other and everything's recorded. It's all documented. It's a way where there's no slander going back and forth by a text message Our or Facebook. Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact name. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but is that something that you recommend? Something that is you know, can't be deleted, everything's stored, saved, and, you know, is it sort of a consensual way that the parents can, you know, discuss the children or whatever they're doing, you know, that isn't going to get taken out of context and, you know, is there for both lawyers to see as well and everyone else? Yeah, it's a great tool. The most common one that's used in my jurisdiction is called Our Family Wizard, but there's a couple other ones that compete with it. App Close is another one that we that I've heard used. It's a little bit less expensive. I mean, our family wizard is 99 bucks US for an entire year. So yep. pretty inexpensive. And it's easy. You can have an app on your phone, so you can use it just like texting. But when you go to your desktop computer, it reads like an email. Okay. You can also upload kids' doctor appointments, T-ball practice, everything like that can be uploaded. And that way it, it works for both parents because the other parent, if you're if you represent a dad and your ex is saying, well, you never told me about T-ball, you can say, well, yeah, I put it in the calendar. It's there and it cuts both ways. So that way each parent knows about each and every other thing. You can allow your attorneys to view it. Um, I usually don't like to get that. And I usually just let my clients say, hey, if there's something that's on Wizard, just send me a screenshot of it. I don't want to peruse through the details of your personal yeah. life if I don't have to. The judges are have a the availability to view wizard also. Um, again, they don't really have the time or the bandwidth to do yeah. that, but they could. Um, and it's just a really good tool too, just because one thing that we as lawyers have to go through, if you're going to get a piece of evidence admitted, there are some steps to go through to show it's not hearsay, it's, it's real, it is what it purports to be. Wizard takes away all that. So wizard is a really good tool for lawyers. And what I find, one thing I would just suggest though, is if you're going to use wizard, stick with it. It's really hard for a lawyer who's trying to put together exhibits where if you're texting over here and then the conversation picks up in an email over here and then you pick it up in wizard over there, please don't do that. Just just pick something and stick with it. And it makes it really, really easy to track. You can uh, some people pay, make payments through wizard um, and you can request like in Texas, it's very common to split uncovered medical expenses. So one parent takes the kid to the doctor. There's a twenty dollar copay. The other parent posted on wizard they're supposed to pay the other person their share within 30 days and again wizard just makes it very easy to track all that it avoids the he said she said that is just rampant throughout the family law system yeah mate i love that and um i'll definitely put that in the show notes and um allow everyone to get a hold of that because yeah there's i think valuable tools like that can just make those little things a little bit better which in you know the macro makes you know, the child's experience on both sides uh, a lot better. So, mate, is there anything um, else that I guess we haven't covered that you see important for fathers, you know, or parents in general um, that they should take into account? You know, like I said, if they are going through it or if they have been through it before and they're struggling again. So um, a couple of things, I'll just say document, document, document. Um, kind of like I said before about being cognizant of anything you can put in writing because can be used one way or against you in court. But you're also going to need financials and things of that nature, at least in Texas, if you can show something that you had on the date of marriage, um, that is your separate property and the court cannot take it from you. So you yeah. want a retirement statement or a bank account statement. If you can get it, 
from the date of marriage. And the more stuff you can give your lawyer, the easier your lawyer's job will be. You can have the best lawyer in the world, but if you're not giving them the information they need to properly prosecute your case, you're going to limit your opportunity of success. Um, the other significant thing I would tell, tell any parent is your children pick up way more than you think they do. They are way smarter than you give them credit for. Very often judges will interview children in Texas. They, it's mandatory if anybody asks for it, if a child's the age of 12 or older, and they sing like canaries and every good or bad thing that they've heard from one of their parents will come out and the judge will let you know that. Um, yeah. And one really tempting thing as a parent is if they feel like they're getting wronged, they're going to want to, to tell the truth maybe about what's going on about their mother or um, or their spouse. Um, and I would, this is hard for a lot of people to hear, but I tell them to resist that urge for two reasons. One, it's gonna backfire. Alienators always lose in the wrong in the long run. And I think that's where a lot of dads get frustrated because lots of times their wives or exes will, will alienate them. And sometimes it'll work for a little while, but then the children end up growing up and hating the parent that said all the bad things. Um, and the other thing is too, it, that kiddo just hears half of me is bad and no parent is perfect. Everybody's got warts and there's just no reason to, to tear down the other parent. And I get it. Like there are some really horrible people that I've litigated against, but the clients that always end up winning in the long run. And that's what family law is really about is the long game are the ones that, I mean, they got to find a way, get it out of your system in some healthy way, right? That's yeah. why going to the gym is so important. Uh, I was like, but but can't you cannot let your children feel it to the extent possible. I just keep everything, you know, don't say anything bad about the other parent. Again, the judge will find out about it and it just keeps your nose clean. And you frankly don't need your negativity in your life. You will go and find out, you will find somebody better eventually um that is going to be a better suit for your family and ultimately your children if it ever comes down to it mate great advice and mate i must thank you for taking the time to um jump on the podcast today and um pass on a little bit of um you know a heap of gold that um parents can take into account um obviously from an american point of view but i'm i'm sure a lot of it is um you know transferable to what's happening over in Australia and you know the apps and all that may be a different name but I'm, I'm sure it's all relatively the same so mate I highly appreciate the work that you're doing out there for you know parents and um, also for taking your time to jump on today and I'll make sure I put all your details in the show notes so guys if you're running or in the gym right now and you want to get in touch with Ryan I'll put his website and email address in the show notes and you'll be able to get in touch and um, yeah if you're in the Dallas Texas area and you need some help then definitely reach out and um yeah get him to look after you so mate highly appreciate it thanks so much for having me no worries mate thank you